After the success of Night 1, can New Year's Smash Night 2 reach the same heights? In my opinion, no. But was it a bad show? Oh hell no! It was still a very good show, just not, you know, one of the best episodes in Dynamite's history. And this show started with a banger. Eddie Kingston vs. Pack, Violent and brutal, two words to describe this match. Two lads just said, wrestling is cool and all, but let's just fight. And fight they did, not even waiting for the bell to ring or pirate to stop. They brawl, they fighted, occasionally wrestled, but mostly beat each other up. Both hit some nasty moves, Eddie Kingston even did a beautiful enziguri that I didn't know and all that he can actually do, but even that was not enough for a victory because Pac hit his black arrow and a brutalizer for the victory. After the match, we had a stare down between Pac and Lance Archer. Good match and a tease for an even bigger match. Then the criticism that I have for this match is that it could have five more minutes and a little bit more from Eddie Kingston and it could have easily been a pay-per-view quality match, but still a very good one. After this we had Miro versus Chuck Taylor. Chuck went straight for Miro, attacking him before the bell, trying to get any advantage as he could. And to be fair to him, he did! for solid 20 seconds. After this, it was all Miro, completely dominating Chuck and beating him in a matter of minutes. It sucks that Trent is out with an injury, but there is a true comedic potential in Chucky T as a bachelor, and I'm really excited for this. Then we had Inner Circle's New Year's Resolutions, where MJF said that he just wants to build bones with the rest of the Inner Circle, and get rid of all fat people because, of course he would. Ortiz said that he just wants to perfect his grandmother's recipe, and Hager just said, Championships! Yeah! Because it was funny, and second, of course he would. What else would he say? Probably another poem of his. But the one who surprised everyone the most was Chris Jericho, who said that he wants to win tag team belts with none other than MJF. And Sammy couldn't stand this bullshit and he just said, Chris, you're a tag team slot. And after this you would expect punches to be thrown, but instead they had a beautiful back and forth on the mic. And after this back and forth, we have the announcement that next week we will have a three-way tag match to find out the main team of the Inner Circle. It should be Santana and Ortiz, but it's probably gonna be MJF and Chris Jericho. After this, we had a backstage segment with the Dark Order, where they said that next week they will team with Adam Page and they will ask him to join the Dark Order. After this, we had a six-man tag. The Elite will finally reunite or will they? Because before the match, Don Callis told the Young Bucks to do the entrance separately from Kenny. 
and after introducing Kenny as good as only he can do, he introduced his tag team partners, the world tag team champions, the Good Brothers. It was a beautiful swerve that quite a few people predicted, but it still worked because we so frustrated Box and Tony Khan, but they couldn't do anything. And so we have Kenny and the Good Brothers versus Varsity Blondes and Danny Lamlight. And we all thought it was going to be just another squash match for the Elite, but no. Faces had a lot of time and control, showcasing their abilities and signature moves. And the MVP of this match was easily Daniel Lamlight, who showed his insane athletic abilities and proved to near everyone that he is truly one of the most exciting free agents that AEW should sign, without a doubt. But unfortunately, athleticism was not enough because the Bullet Club won after a magic killer. But the fun was not over yet. Because one John Moxley decided to go to war with the Bullet Club and soon was joined by the Lucha Bros and the rest of the AEW locker room. At the end of the segment, Kenny ran away with Don Callis while Bucks got super kicked right in their face by the Lucha Bros. It was beautiful in many ways, starting from the match that was exciting and fresh, ending with the big brawl where Moxie and the Lucha Bros stand tall, and Lucha Bros decided to reanimate their history, their rivalry, with the young Bucks, quite possibly for the AEW World Tag Team Titles. Mwah. Just beautiful scenes. Then we had the worst part of the show without a doubt. The waiting room with Cody and Britt Baker. And the worst part is, Cody and Britt Baker were not the reason why this segment sucked. They were quite honestly the best thing in this segment. Britt constantly making fun of Cody, reminding him and everyone in the in the attendance and everyone who watched the show that she still doesn't have a single figure while Cody already have three and quite possibly another 33 incoming in just two months. It was very fun and very captivating to watch. But then uh, the worst part of this segment came in. Jade Cargill. She was awful. Cutting a generic promo, then getting interrupted by Red Velvet, and they have a semi-massive brawl. I don't know, it just saw a big brawl. It was just, it was just a fucking mess. And then we had Thunder Rosa announcing the match against Brett Baker at the beach break? Why now? Why in this sudden way? It was just a hard fucking mess. And in quite honesty, if not this segment, this show could have actually rivaled against a five-star show that happened last week. But nope, they needed to fuck everything up. But fortunately for all of us, it was the only bad thing about this show. Because then we had FTR versus Jurassic Express, where FTR won after a 
as expected, a very good match where Marcus Stun was used as an aggressor, trying to piss off FTR and try to force them to make a mistake. And to be honest, he was really close on a couple occasions to doing just that, but because Tally Blanchard was there, they picked up the victory. After this, we had the second best match of the night, Serena Deep versus Ty Conti for the NWA Women's Championship. It was a great technical match where Ty Conti showed her progress from NXT days, combining her beautiful jiu-jitsu style with the submission and wrestling maneuvers, trying to prove to everyone that she is ready for the big league and, quite honestly, she kind of convinced me. A little more practice, a little more big matches, and she's ready to get another NWA or AEW Women's title shot. But Serena Deep was just much more experienced, and she beat her on her own game. And now it's time for the main event of the evening, Brian Cage versus Darby Allin. For the TNT Championship. What can I say? It was fucking insane. Darby at first tried to go and get any advantage in the match by going full speed at Brian with drop kicks and punches and kicks, uh, but Brian just punched him off. And then he decided to go for the one of the most insane things I've seen in my lifetime. He picked him up. And he threw him from the ring through the announcer's table. It was fucking insane. Then he toyed with him for a little bit, but then picked him up, put him in a vertical position on the outside, and threw him into the ring. He went for a pin, but it was only a one count. And that pissed Brian Cage a lot. He decided to powerbomb Darby from the ring to the outside. Of course. He decided to go for a pin again, but only one once again. But now, Darby is also flipping him off. And as you would guess, it pissed off Brian Cage a lot. That's why he decided to pick Darby and powerbomb him into the ring from the outside this time. Wow, what an insane fucking match. And just when you thought that that was it, Darby is down, he, he cannot take this bidding anymore. Darby finds a way, and because he flipped off Brian Cage so much, he pissed him off so much, Brian lost control over himself, he went for steps, but Darby punched him onto the steps and did a great coffin drop right on them. It was a sign of Brian Cage's downfall because after this, Darby tried to go for another coffin drop from the top rope, but Darby was distracted by Team Taz. But who would come out to save the day? Of course it was Sting who took the bat and nailed it right on Ricky's face which allowed Darby to go for a crucifix bomb from the top rope for a three count. It was a fucking insane 
match with so many ridiculous spots that I never expected to see. And the best part about this finish is that Darby's whole rivalry with Team Tess started after he failed this crucifix bomb from the top of the rope on Cody Rhodes. And Tess tried to help him out, but Darby refused and said that he knows what he did wrong. And now, more than six months later, he proved it. It was beautiful. All the show itself, apart from one segment, was great. It was a pleasure to talk about it, and thank you for listening, and hear you soon.